Heavenly Father, thank you for another great, great night to be together, to open the Bible, to study the Bible. We thank you as we study it, our mind will be smart about it, and what is from you will live on it, and what's not from you will chew out uh, the bones, spit it out, and live on what we can. We thank you that you just open our heart tonight, you open our spirit tonight, that when it's all said and done, we go out with something that's meaningful and helpful to us in Jesus' name. Amen. You say amen. amen. Revelation chapter 13. Uh, we ended uh, last week talking about the dragon. And I brought you to a place that it's a political world power that the enemy is going to be working through. And so jumping into chapter 13, what we're going to do is pull that out in depth. So... <clears throat> and trying, here's what I'm going to try to do. Trying to take a really hard chapter, which is, I would say, the crux of the whole book because it has the number 666 in it, and that's usually what Hollywood and anybody who thinks about the devil lands on. So rather than trying to rush this and, you know, figure all that out, we're just going to go very slow tonight. And as we go through it, I hope it'll open it up even more. I hope it'll confirm things we've been teaching prior and then maybe open your mind to some new ways to think about it. So let's jump right into chapter 13. We're going to read the whole thing and then pull it apart. And then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. It had seven heads and ten horns with ten crowns on its horns and written on each head were names that blasphemed God. This beast looked like a leopard but he had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave the beast his own power and throne and great authority. I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. The whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. They worshipped the dragon for giving the beast such power. They also worshipped the beast. Who is as great as the beast? They exclaimed. Who's able to fight against him? And the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God, and he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. That's the three and a half years of the seven we've been talking about. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the Lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone who's destined for prison will be taken to prison and anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. And then I saw another beast come up out of the earth. He had two horns like those of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast, and he required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. He did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down from earth, from the sky, while everyone was watching. And with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people who belonged to this world. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded and then came back to life. He was then permitted to give life to this statue so that it could speak. And then the statue of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. 
He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. His number is 666. Can you say amen? <laughs> Just go ahead and take the tension off. I will not tell you who 666 is tonight, but maybe next week. So <laughs> it's going to be fun tonight, I pray. I, I hope your, your heart is open. I've, I've prayed a lot about this chapter because I knew it was coming. It's one of my favorite chapters in the book because through my 30 years of pastoring, I would always re refer to it. Uh, you know, leaving all the other chapters out because they're too hard to understand and then just kind of dwelling on this one. So this one, this chapter has been in my heart for a long time. And through the years, I've kind of gone, I think I believe this. And then years later, no, I think I believe that. And then years later, I do think I think this. So that is the thing with prophecy. Over time, we can kind of get a different perspective about it. And so I'll give you my perspective today of what I feel to be true and how it applies to us today. And then perhaps 20 years later, we may look back and go, well, I think it's that. So let's be fair to that. And I'll kind of give you my take and taking you somewhere very intentional tonight. And along the way, I'll tell you. Then I saw a beast. Here's the opening of chapter. I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. It had seven heads, ten horns, ten crowns on its horns, and written on each head. And this is interesting because we talked about that spirit of Antichrist that's coming, that there are going to be the names that blaspheme God. And this beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion, which again is strange. We, you know, it kind of feels like it's something out of a Narnia playbook. But the dragon at the bottom gave the beast, and then these three words, we're going to touch on them next week, but they're, they're important this week. These three words to me are probably one of the reasonings that there are three temptations to Jesus, that there are three stones uh, that are not included in the breastplate of the high priest versus that which is in Satan's uh, garb that he's given. And it's these three words, power, throne and great authority and the interesting thing is and this is where it really you know challenges your thinking those three words power throne and great authority are all words that are used to describe the church the word power is the same word dunamis that shows up in Acts chapter 2 for you shall be filled with power it's an inherent power it's a power that resides within you, not outside of you. So, uh, you know, an inherent power is it, it, it's working in you. It's not like lifting weights. That's external. It's internal. It's an internalized power. So when Jesus baptizes us in, on, on the day of Pentecost and fills us and endues me with power, that power is to work out of me a display of the resurrection of Jesus. So this power, which is weird, you would think God would not even remotely allow Satan to give another human being the same traits as Jesus gave to the church. 
But what Satan is going after is a kingdom that is identical to the church. And I'll teach you that next week of why he's working. This thing we call church is is not just something that the devil's overlooking, but he's going to mimic it entirely. So that that's how he ultimately is, and I'll hope, I may not get there tonight, but it's ultimately how he's going to determine how do I rule the world. And I'll just throw this so you can start thinking about it. The way the devil determines how to rule the world is he's watching us right now hopefully accomplish that. Because we've been given power by God to do what? Ephesians 3, Ephesians 1. We've been seated in heavenly places. And that word uh, throne is the same uh, Greek word that is given to Jesus who sits on a throne. The same throne you sit on. The same throne that says that as he sits there, he's made the world his footstool and death and hell are under his feet. This is the same word and Satan is given that kind of authority. That he's going to have that kind of authority granted unto him to carry out what he needs to carry out. And so when we say throne, it means that literally Satan will put humanity under his feet to rule them. And then the word great authority is the same that we would say of Jesus. He's been given all authority. The word great authority in the Greek translates this way. There is none higher than that. So great authority would be the one that's ruling and everybody has to answer to him. So the chapter starts out introducing us that this devil, who the church says is no match for us, he runs around like a roaring lion, but he has no teeth, and we kind of make fun of him and cast him out and stomp on his head, and the enemy's under my feet. I went to the enemy's camp. I took back all the stuff. It's fun to sing, but this dude... Satan is going to inhabit a human being, the beast. We'll we'll teach you that. He's going to inhabit a human being. And in that human being, here's what's weird. That human being will possess the power, the authority, and the rulership that the local church has right now. He will have that kind of authority. It will be granted unto him to do what he's got to do. So if you've ever wondered, are we doing a good job as the church? You just need to know Satan's going to work the same plan. He's going to induce someone with power. He's going to give him the throne and he's going to give him great authority. And, And rather than it being Jesus working with the church, it's going to be Lucifer working his kingdom. This again, I don't have time to go there, but from what I've said before... This, again, is why I believe the church is not present during this time. Because if God, who's in charge of the whole show, gave the right for the dragon to be able to do this, then God would be divided against himself that he would give you and I power, sit you and I on a throne, and give us great authority to turn around and say, oh, by the way, the very one that you have power and authority over, I just gave it all to him too, so y'all good luck fighting it out here. I believe the reason Satan can have such power, throne, and great authority, which the three words are connected to the local church, 
is because the church has been resurrected and there is no pillar of truth here anymore. There is no body of Christ here anymore to display the miraculous power and authority of God and therefore Lucifer can be released. And here's why. Because he, watch, he cannot do anything outside of authority. Nothing. He knows that. Uh, Michael the archangel knows it as well. It's why Michael would not rail against Satan fighting for the body of Moses because Michael sits inferior to Lucifer. And he cannot usurp Lucifer's authority even though Lucifer has rebelled because in the creation order, Lucifer ruled over Michael. So this thing of the dragon has power thrown in great authority would, to me, you don't have to believe this, but to me says that the church isn't here because he couldn't have that over me. Because I am not under the feet of Jesus. I am the, the feet of Jesus. I am the body of Jesus. So he couldn't even work this if we were here because we could stop him. And hence my belief again is I think that's what's holding him back right now. And I think that's why he's working, which is where I'm going to take you next week so hard against the church. So let's just see who the dragon with all these heads are. and We'll kind of figure it out and go quickly with it. I, Daniel, we got to go back to Daniel, was troubled by all that I've seen and my visions terrified me. So I approached one of those standing beside the throne and asked him, what does all this mean? You remember he had seen a vision of these four beasts. He comes down to the final beast and said, man, this last beast really troubled me. And then he gets the interpretation. The four huge beasts represents four kingdoms of all the earth. And this is basically in Daniel chapter 7 when we went back and studied that. This was the vision that Daniel had in Daniel chapter 7. Now this uh, world rulers that have existed show up prophetically in Revelation 7 melded into one. That dragon that's sitting on the top of all those with the horns on his head is the thing that is showing up in Revelation 13 as a fulfillment of all the nation's leaders of the world will ultimately culminate in one person. We call that one person the Antichrist, the, the one person that's going to be leading this global rule who's going to be possessed by Satan himself to do it and... I'll tell you how that's going to happen in a minute. Here's the scripture in Daniel, which is interesting. Seven still. He said to me, the fourth beast, that's that dragon, was the fourth world power that will rule the earth. And then it's really interesting. It will be different than all the others. So there will be something different about what Satan's going to do in our future than what we see right now, like... China's causing us a problem. North Korea may cause us a problem. And we see world dictators that kind of spring up and cause issues. And then we go to war with them and try to oust them. But this one will be different. Because this one will be able to devour the whole world, trampling and crushing everything in its path. And now it's going to define it for us. These ten horns are ten kings. They're going to rule the empire. And then, and I put it in red, another king will rise up from the ten who will subdue three of them. And this other king that's rising up, ruling a nation, is going to be who we would label the Antichrist. The one that's going to be the figurehead, the one who's going to be pushing the global agenda, the one who's going to be possessed by Satan to pull off Satan's uh, final hurrah at the end of time. He says he will defy the Most High... 
So we saw that in Revelation 13. He blasphemes against God. But then says this, and oppresses the holy people. And there again, uh, from Daniel's um, prophecy, I believe Daniel's letting us know that the real focus of the end time are the Jewish people. That's who he hates. That's what he's going after. He's, and here's my thought again. I don't think the devil's coming after the church like we think because he can't. He cannot conquer us. It's impossible. We are more than conquerors. We are the body of Christ. He's already lost that battle. We've been grafted in and baptized into the body. He knows he cannot conquer us. He knows he cannot overcome us. The only thing he can do with the church is deceive us and to cause us not to be who we were meant to be. To operate in our flesh, to operate in our own strength, and not to trust in God and His power. So He comes to oppress the holy people of the Most High. That's the Jews. He'll try to change their sacred festivals. So it shows us right there that this Antichrist is very focused to the Jewish people. I'm not saying it won't be worldwide, but it's very much, as I said last week, a Jew-centric thing because their sacred festivals and laws, it's talking about the Jewish people. And they'll be placed under his control for a time, times, and a half time. That's three and a half years. My thinking here, this is just my thought. My thinking here when we say, well, the Antichrist rule the world and will we in America be able to buy and sell and get the mark? The mark of the beast doesn't come until the middle of the three and a half years. So we're three and a half years in before this even happens and in three and a half years in, we've already seen the seals, the judgments that begin to come, the earth's all annihilated and upset, and there's tragedy everywhere. So it does make me feel like that the majority of oppression that will be happening will be happening in the people in the Middle East who were left during that time. I'm not saying that we may not have people scattered all over, but you know what I've showed you before, I think it's all pushing it toward these Jewish people for this reason. Lucifer, I said it before, Satan, has zero desire to own Atlanta, zero desire to own Pope and Beaumar Road. He has every intention to live in Jerusalem, to sit in the temple of God, to proclaim himself God, and to rule the world from the promised land that was given to, Moses, to Abraham. That's what he's going for. I know we think he's kind of jealous of us, what he's jealous of are the Jewish people who've been given a promise that a Jewish king will rule the world and he cannot have that. And so he's working overtime to pull that off. Here's a picture, kind of again, Narnia. But this is the Revelation 13 picture. So you can imagine John seeing this and having to try to write that down, this beast that's coming up out of the water. And then on top is that fourth beast that's different from all the others who has crowns on his head, horns on his head, and we were told that those are kings. So what we're getting here is a picture that in the end, when the Antichrist comes, he's going to come up with ten kings, uh, ten nations that will pack together to work with him, and then he'll annihilate three of them somehow, and so there'll be seven and he'll be the eight. So there'll be eight nations that will work this global satanic plan, and they'll be pushing towards something to help him be ruler, and this is what Daniel saw. Here's a thought 
The beast of Revelation 13 contains all the elements of the Gentile world powers. The beast will be the most powerful world leader. Again, I'm saying that the beast is not a beast like we know, but it's a human that ever existed who brings to conclusion, we talked about this in in Daniel, the age of the Gentiles to usher in Israel's earthly reign through the promised king. So you remember there has to come an end to the Gentile rule and this is how it's going to come through one more leader of the world that will take all the powers of the world to himself to try to overthrow one last time this age of the Gentiles before this Jewish king Jesus sets his kingdom up. Here's why it's so unique, different than all others it said, is that Satan literally gives his power to this world leader, as we saw at the opening. That power, throne, and authority. So that the world leader, never before has this been done, becomes as powerful as Satan himself. So this is where we're headed, and I'll show you how, why that's happening and why it's going to be that way. Here's the thought. How can a human become as powerful as Satan and have great authority or all authority, have all power and have, um, have a throne, a human being? Because we would say, let's just go blow him up. Let's just send our troops over. Let's get him off a throne. Let's go capture him in a hole, Saddam Hussein, and, and let's, well, let's, let's just go take him out. That's what Americans do. But this guy is different because no one, as we get into it, will be able to war with him. He will be so powerful that the, the thoughts that we read, and we'll get into it, but the thought that we read is, who can make war with this fella? He's that powerful. So think of America right now. We feel pretty stable, right? Like, who's going to mess with us? Like, we're the most powerful nation. We've got our military, man. Awesome. But can you imagine a, a world power even bigger than us in China put together and Russia put together who will all say there's no way we can overcome this guy? We'll find out why in a minute. How could that be, and this is my take, the world leader... As no other time since the creation of humanity becomes one with Satan. Now Satan understood this this way. This is my take on this. The reason the world leader becomes one with Satan, meaning he's not just used by Satan, he's not just filled with Satan like he did with Judas Iscariot. You know, he, he filled his heart when he walked out and, it, and the Bible says, and Satan filled his heart. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about Satan borrowing somebody for a moment or using him for a purpose, but that literally Satan inhabits, Satan himself, not a demon, inhabits this human being and merges with him to become one so that Satan finally, not through demons, but he himself, like Jesus Christ, becomes one with a physical human body. As if Jesus, who was the Son of God, came in the flesh and he was God, but in the flesh, this will be God in the flesh because Satan is going for Godship. He's trying to be God and he watched the Son of God do it this way. The the Word became flesh 
Now the spirit of Satan himself, that angel, that created being, is going to take on flesh. And rather than flesh like Mary and a virgin, this is going... I don't know how he'll do it. Maybe he'll just ask, you know, cut a deal with me and I'll make you the most powerful person in the world. But he becomes one with this human. So in the weirdest way, the human becomes kind of the devil at the same moment that he inhabits that the power of the dragon is given over to this guy to have all authority, power, and throne. The thing with this of why I think this is important with Satan is because he's watching that right now with you and I. Because we are one with Jesus Christ and we are one body. So I, I know we think we're many, but we're many that make up one. And Lucifer is cueing in on how do these people have such authority over me that I can't do what I want to do. These blooming people who are called the church, the body of Christ, and in his brilliance of being who he was, being all wisdom, he looks at us and says, I see how this works. They have such great authority because they're one with the king. They have such great authority because they're one with each other. This is the way I need to accomplish this. And so he's, I believe, he's running around as he was in the days of Job. Watch. We say looking for someone to devour. But this, he's not looking for someone to devour anymore. He's looking for someone to inhabit because he desires to be anti-Christ. Christ had a body. He wants a body. Here's a scripture. I saw, back to chapter 13, verse 3 now. I saw one of the heads, the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery. But the fatal wound was healed. I don't know what that means. I don't know if he's going to be shot. I don't know if somebody will shoot him in the head. I don't know if he'll get beheaded. We, we're not really told. But somebody gets ticked at him and kills him. And he, he goes into a, a, fate, a fatality. There's no way he's going to come out. But the fatal wound was healed. And once the fatal wound was healed, the whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. And they worshiped the dragon for giving the beast such power. And they also worshiped the beast. So again, the dragon and the beast are seemingly one thing because they're both getting the worship, which is what he wants. Uh, the devil is craving the worship. It's... Why, if you go back and look at his temptation with Jesus, it wasn't that he wanted to be a better angel. He said, what I will do is give you the kingdoms of the world if you will but bow down and worship me. That's all I care about. I just need you to worship me. We know the story. He didn't, but he still is after it. Now, here's the weirdest phrase ever. Who is as great as the beast? And who's able to fight against him? The nations of the world now realize there's something different here. This is not your normal tyrant. This is not your normal dictator. This is not a normal rogue country that's kind of gone awry here. There's something going on that's different. And here's what I believe is going on. I believe that maybe as Christians we've made the devil to be so devilish that we don't understand he's working the whole thing in a spiritual manner, in a religious manner. 
Hollywood has hurt that because they make the devil be beady-eyed, red-eyed, green pea soup, floating off while somebody casts a demon out of you. That is probably the most anti-devil picture you could have. According to Scripture, he's the most beautiful angel. Even all of his workers pose as angels of light. As a matter of fact, everybody working for him poses so good you don't even know they're bad. But yet Hollywood has got us thinking, oh, that's just that's the devil. But he is very smart. He's been queuing in on what's going on even for the last 2,000 years. And you better believe when he's trekking with a Jewish king named Jesus, he's watching everything this dude is doing. He saw the virgin birth where God became human. And he saw this merge between eternal and temporal. And then he watches this human do miracles. And while he do miracles, he watches crowds suck into him and realizes I can gather a crowd by doing miracles. And then he realizes as he moves through, he garners a huge following of people. And then he realizes when who he is, he tries to take him out, tries to kill him through what? Through Judas Iscariot, a human being. You know the end of the story. It doesn't work really well. He kills him for three days. He comes back. I'm sure Lucifer shot like, what in the world just happened? But when that happened, what happened? As soon as Jesus rose from the dead, let's don't think that Satan's down in hell with his arms going, oh, I can't see what's going on. He's, he's noticing everything. As soon as Jesus rises from the dead, the next story in our Bible is the baptism of the Spirit. Now, when the baptism of the Spirit hit, it's new for everybody. It's even new for Lucifer. He had never seen the power of heaven inhabit a human being. Never. What he would see is occasional power come down on a person like Samson, but it didn't stay around long enough to threaten him. It would come down, work the magic, and then leave. And then the power would come down on Elijah and then leave. There had never until Jesus ever been a human being that was given power from God that the power stayed on them. My belief, again, opinion, is that the baptism of Jesus, when Jesus was baptized, I believe Lucifer was watching. We kind of know he is because the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, right? He's baptized Jesus, this is my beloved Son. Matthew 4, what is Lucifer's first words? If you really are the son. So in a weird, I know this is weird, right? But in the weirdest way, like there's this spirit being Lucifer created by God who's watching God be baptized by God, watches the spirit of God inhabit him, and for the first time since his existence, the, the power never went back up. And the moment the power remained on him, even John the Baptist said, I wouldn't have even known this was the Lamb of God except the power didn't leave him. It came down and stayed on him. You better believe the moment the power stayed on him, Lucifer's horns went up, if he has some. They went up, and he's like, I got to watch this. And then he starts following him. He's led in the wilderness. He follows him in the wilderness, and he begins to tempt. If you really are the son, and what is he going for? I just need worship. I need you to call me God. Because there's this power on him that he'd never seen before. So he follows him, Luke 4, into an opportune moment. The opportune moment is, um, 
I guess I could use a human to kill him. He tries, it doesn't work. And then you better believe it blew his brains, if he has any. He's a spirit being. I don't know what he's got. But, but the reality, can you imagine being the devil and you just took Jesus out only to find out he came back? But he's no threat. He's going to go back up to heaven. We're going to keep this same thing going on. We've been doing it for thousands of years. I'll just kind of go up to heaven, bother him a little bit. He'll bother me. I'll make people mad down here. He'll come in. We'll just keep doing this war. You better believe on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was dumped out on 120 people and that power did not leave those people, that the devil's mind stepped in and goes, I got 120 of them now. What am I going to do with 120 of these people who have the power of God on their life? And then we know the story. They're baptized into a body. They've been given all power, all authority. Everything in heaven has been given unto them. And now this group of people becomes an anomaly of a threat to him. I cannot do it. I've got to overcome them. How can I overcome these people? And he tries to overcome, but he can't. He had already tried it before, but he could not accomplish it. So what does he do? I'll teach you next week what he does, but, but just so you can think about it, the way he accomplished it, and he has. He finally accomplished what he needed by infiltrating. And rather than attacking from the external, he inhabited us and attacked from the internal. And he began to destroy from inside and work to the point that the church doesn't even have power anymore because he's on the inside working because you're such a threat. So let's just see the beast. All right, here's Christ. Christ was the essence of God. God in the flesh. The Antichrist is the essence of Satan. It's Satan in the flesh. So when you think the Antichrist, think that way. Satan in the flesh. Number two, Christ had a fatal wound. They killed him on a cross. The Antichrist will have a fatal wound. Why? Because he saw how it went for Christ. He saw what happened when he got his fatal wound. So he lets his boy get a fatal wound. When he thought he had it beat, the fatal wound got resurrected. So you better believe the Antichrist is going to resurrect himself. It's the only way a human being can resurrect himself, which is weird. There's never been a time that I know in biblical history where a human has been given the right to resurrect himself. So what this tells me about the Antichrist is there was given a power to Satan where Satan could re resurrect a human being without judgment to use him for a purpose. Four, when Jesus was resurrected, the whole world was saved. When the Antichrist is resurrected, the whole world will marvel. Oh, he's working the same plan. This is, the, this is his gospel. He watched the gospel of Jesus play out, and this is his satanic gospel. The whole world will be saved. He knew that once there was a resurrection and the whole world was saved, there were to be an allegiance to Christ, and now Lucifer knows that if I could resurrect a human being, the whole world will marvel, and they'll give my allegiance to the beast. How would you feel, let me just ask, I mean, you just have to be honest. It would blow my mind, really. I'd have to go drink a lot of coffee. But if I was watching TV and they shot a dude, a world leader, in the head and that world leader was dead on TV and they're getting ready to do a funeral 
And he's been dead for three days. And three days later, he comes up. You better believe we'd be chatting about it. But what would we be chatting? I'm going to teach you. What would we be chatting? It's a conspiracy. That's not real. It's a fake resurrection. It's all being set up right now. Everything's being set up for you. It's not real. It's fake. It's real. It's fake. No, it's not. It's fake. It's real. You don't even know what's real anymore. And if it is real, it's conspiracy. But if it's conspiracy, it's fake. You just never know anymore. You could tell, you could tell this generation anything and show them facts on the TV. And there will be an entire group that go, those facts are fake. This is a conspiracy. Can't trust anything. So he gets the allegiance. And Jesus is supreme over all. And I know this is hard for us Christians to believe. But according to what we read, he will be supreme over all. That's that word, great authority. My belief, again, would be this if I was arguing in a debate. How could Lucifer be supreme over all if we, the church, are still here? I just don't see it. I, I, it not in a realm of pre-trib, post-trib. I don't really care about those things. But in the realm of authority. How could he be supreme over me if I am in the body of Christ? So he couldn't be supreme over all. He could be supreme over a few. And what I find out, this is my opinion, if he showed up in Jerusalem, there are some Pentecostal people that would show up to take him out. I don't know about all Christians, but there's some that get a ticket and go, I'm going to war. I'm going to pray. Every intercessor on the planet had come out. Why? Because we believe and we've been taught we have all authority over him. So how could Lucifer do what he's supposed to do if there's a group of us down here who have all authority? Well, then the question would become, well, the church loses their authority. And I go, well, if the church loses their authority in the tribulation so that Lucifer can conquer us and overcome us, then was it really authority to begin with? And if I got authority to begin with and God took it back to accomplish a plan, then he's divided against himself and a house divided cannot stand. None of it works now. So I have to start really thinking this thing through. If the devil really has all authority and power to govern and rule the old earth, then I cannot be here. Because Christ told me to rule and reign and overcome and conquer and take authority and no weapon formed against me would prosper. Hence why I just, again, am so strong on I just don't think I'm going to be here. If I am, I need somewhere to live. So <laughs> i got about four bullets and some Pop-Tarts. That's about all I got. Right? That's about it, man. I, I'm terrible if the apocalypse hits. I'm just... I need to be out within a week. So, you know, if, if I miss it and I'm totally wrong, you just pray, God, get him out of here quick. <laughs> he lives with all women. Get him out real quick. Brother's got no skill. And I told, this is, has nothing to do with a little light in the mood a little bit. I told my girls years ago, I said, listen, you go to college, you go to high school, don't you ever get in a car with anybody that could steal you and take you off and get you in the sex trade or something like that. Because your daddy hadn't got a skill to come get you. I said, that movie looks romantic. When he goes, I have skills. I will find you. I will hunt you. I said, that's not your daddy. Your daddy's like, I got no money. I got no skills. You just please bring her home. I mean, that's the best I got. Like, you know, I don't know why I said that. Maybe that lightened the mood a little bit. That's why I just got to get out of here. I can't fight zombies. How could, 
How could one, one world leader gain so much power that he could rule the entire world? And this is where I want to go tonight. Um, so I've got about 15 minutes to give you the thought, but, but I'm going to part to it and, and give it all to you next week. So let's kind of just let it soak a minute. Kind of think about what we've been saying. It's coming a world leader. It's going to be inhabited by Satan. He's going to possess all power, a throne, and great authority. He's going to uh, be able to rule everybody. He's going to do it through signs, wonders, and miracles. He's going to awe the world in such a way that they will worship him willingly because there's nobody like him and will be so powerful that every nation that would want to come against him will say there's no way we could do it. He's, he's just too powerful. We can't fight. The question becomes, let's come to reality 2021 right now. The question becomes, do we really believe that there could come a person that could have that kind of authority as long as America is here? Well, we just take them out. We're, we're, we're the most, you know, I would say globally, we're probably well thought of as a military of what we can accomplish and what we can pull off. But here's how he's going to do it, again, my opinion. He's going to do it very smart through politics and religion. Now, he's been working both of these, I believe, since the garden. And, and I want to teach you over the next week how politics and religion are going to merge together in the kingdom of the Antichrist so that he can rule the entire world. He's going to do it very methodically. How do you rule the entire world? You don't do it overnight. People have tried that. They tried to sneak attack on Pearl Harbor. It felt good for about a week until they realized we have awakened a sleeping giant. We should have left them alone. And you know the end of the story of World War II. The way that Lucifer will take the world over is not some rogue dude on an ego trip. He's tried that before all through the Old Testament with these kings of Babylon and these uh, Mede and Persia, all these, and it never works. Every empire that he has ever tried to subdue the Jewish race has never worked. They're still here. So he has to think through, how could I rule the whole world and not blow it this time? And my answer is politics and religion. And to get to this point, he has to start shifting the way we think religiously and the way we think politically. Religiously, because he wants to be God. Politically, because he wants to rule the world. Lucifer, again an opinion. I don't think is trying to control the church. He can't. But I believe he is desperately trying to control politics and religion. Because that's how he's going to win the battle. Again, religion, he wants to be God. Politics, he wants to rule the world. So he's going to merge them together. And I'll show you how, what that looks like. Here's our scripture back to chapter 2. Or chapter 13, verse 2. The beast I saw... Resembled a leopard, but the feet are like those of a bear in the mouth. And then here are those three words again. The dragon gave the beast. And this is, I've already dwelt on it, so I'm not going to do it again. But there's my three words again. Power, throne, and great authority. To me, this is my thought. Power, throne, and great authority is pretty much the definition of religion. 
It, 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 it encompasses the church. It encompasses God's plan for the church, that we have his power, we will sit on thrones with him, and we will rule and reign with him. So the question becomes, why does Lucifer want religion? Why is this important to him? Here's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there comes a great rebellion. So obviously, before the Antichrist even comes, and all this starts kind of playing out, what we have is that we could start asking ourselves, are we seeing a great rebellion against God? My answer is, I think I'm seeing a great rebellion against God. Um, and the man of lawlessness, that's the Antichrist, is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself. So I think what we'll see is, if he wants to rule the world, he'll start putting in a self-exaltation, self-matters, you matter, YOLO, you only live once, it's all about you. All of this will start penetrating the world. It's about me, it's about my thinking, what I feel, because that's how he's going to do it, is to exalt himself. That spirit will go into people. He'll defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even, and then I go back to why it's Jew-centric to me, he will even sit in the temple of God. That's not talking about Believer's Church. That's talking about Jerusalem. And then this final thing of why I think religion is important to Lucifer is because he wants to be God. I think that's why he hates the church, because we are the epitome of everything he wants. He wants power, he wants a throne, he wants authority, we got it, he's ticked off at us, but he's going to go for it himself, and he's going to try it the same way. Daniel chapter 7, back to Daniel. But then the court will pass judgment, and all his power, come on somebody, give me an amen, will be taken away, and he'll be completely destroyed. Not by the church. And then the sovereignty, the power, and the greatness of the kingdoms under heaven will be given to the holy people. Who are the holy people? Jerusalem, the Jews. Of the Most High, His kingdom will last forever. All rulers will serve and obey Him, Jesus Christ. Amen. And then Daniel says, that's the end of my vision. The end of Daniel's vision is, Jesus is going to rule the world. So that gives us great hope. <laughs> we don't have to be too brokenhearted tonight. But we're talking about the Antichrist. Let's define religion. This is Mark Evans 101, the most terrible definition of religion you will ever have. But I think it's doable for me. I think I could maybe work with it. So I've, I've tried to simplify it for you. Uh, a religion, number one, is that which is God. Uh, every culture that's religious will have that which is God. It may be a coconut, it may be a tree, it may be a shaman, it may be a witch. Uh, the divine existence that is above all and in all. Now that may show up as a witch doctor or a whatever. We, we would say it's Jesus, it's God. But that's religion, studied world religions. In every religion there's that which is the truth, whether that's the Bhagavad Gita's uh, the Jewish, uh, the Hebrew scriptures of the Torah, uh, of the Quran, uh, the Bible, what we have, but most religions will have some type of written truth that becomes the divine standard. You've got to live this way. It may even be written on a stick of a chief in the tribe, but you just better obey that or they'll kill you. So every religion has truth, and every religion has that which is moral, acceptable behaviors. 
what we will allow you to get away with, whether it's, you know, uh, stoning a little girl who, who got pregnant or whether it's being able to drink alcohol, but every religion has the morality, what we will permit you to do before you get in trouble by the gods or by the leaders. So if this is the definition of religion, you better believe Lucifer is going to be tapping into all of it. He's going to be tapping into the divine, tapping into the standards, and tapping into the behaviors. He's wanting to control all of it. He's wanting to control everything about it. Here's a scripture, Revelation 12. I think this may be 13, it should be. The beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies. It should be Revelation 13, I apologize. Great blasphemies against God, and he was given authority to do whatever he wanted. So there's that authority he's given again. Obviously by God, that God has given him the authority to do this. He spoke terrible words again, blasphemies against God. He slandered his name. So what's going to begin to happen as Lucifer begins this trek into leading the world is there's going to become blasphemies against God. He's going to slander the name of God, slander the dwelling of God, slander the people of God, and wage war against God's holy people. And then this phrase, I put it in pink, and to conquer them. Now, I'm going to fight this fight again, which may not seem fair, but I again believe God's holy people are Jews and he can conquer them because I just cannot fathom how Jesus would give me power and then turn around and say, sorry, you're going to be conquered. But I thought I was able to conquer. I thought I was given, uh, we conquer and overcome. But now you're telling me he can conquer me. I don't get it, Jesus. What's the point? That would be my fight if I... I'm not saying I'm, all, I'm right on this, but this is my thinking. And he was given authority to rule, and then here's that over every tribe, people, language, and nation, which if you go back to what we studied before, every tribe, language, and people, and nation were around the throne singing holy, 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 and I believe Lucifer wants that. And when he saw into the heavenly realm, holy, holy, holy from every tribe, language, people, and nation, you better believe that's what he wants, and so he goes to set up a plan to, to gain them all. Why religion, though? Why would he choose to go for religion? And I said it before, Satan wants to be God. He's literally trying to be God. He desires complete sovereignty. That's that word, complete authority. Number two, why religion? The liar, who is Satan, Jesus calls him the liar... He's been lying from the beginning of time, but he wants to be the truth. He desires complete power. What I say goes, what I say happens, everybody will obey my words, my words are the truth. You come against me, I kill you, you disobey me, I behead you, you don't bow down, you don't give me what I want in power and the truth I say, you won't eat, you won't do anything, I'll control you completely. And then the murderer who Jesus calls him, wants to be the ruler of the world. So Satan, the liar and the murderer, wants to be God, he wants to control the truth, and he wants to rule the world. Now, if he does want to do that, and my, my take is, he has tried and failed miserably. He's tried with Eve, he's tried uh, with, with Adam, he's tried with... Uh, um, Judas Iscariot, he's tried all through. He fails every time. 
But there's something in him that is so desirous to control the world and to be God that he keeps trying again. How can I get to this point? And so here's the religious plan of how he's going to, in my opinion, how he'll pull it off. He first off has to take away the definitive of God where it said he will slander his name and his place. If Lucifer can put into the thinking of the entire world that there is no God. Now I don't mean God because he doesn't want to be God, but a God you can define. And you better believe the definitive of God is important. You want to know how important? Moses. I'm going to go to Pharaoh and he's going to ask me a question. Who sent you here to tell me to do this? Moses turns back to God in in Mark's terms. Hey, I need a definitive. Because when I go against a power, I need a definitive for that power to be able to bow down to. Because without a name, there is no power. And God says, oh, you need a definitive of me. Okay, here's my best definitive. I am who I am. And he goes to Pharaoh, and you know the story. I am said, let him go. Well, I don't know who that God is. If you fast forward into the New Testament, I believe Acts 17, Paul goes to Mars Hill and says, I perceive you all are very religious. I even see a statue to what? An unknown God. But I'm about to tell you what his name is. (laughs) Even, Even Paul understands that the way power is displayed in the spirit world is you have to name the thing. It's why Jesus will come into the spirit and say, what is your name? Because the moment the name is given, the name is submitted to the name that is above every name. And every name has to bow to the name that is above every name. And so when Jesus says, what is your name? You foul spirit of muteness and deafness. Come out, that spirit has to obey. What is your name? We are legion, for we are many. Cool, you got a lot of you, but I am the son of the living God. The I am who I am, and your name bows to my name. So what has to happen, because Lucifer has watched this play out. Lucifer watched the name play out with with Pharaoh, and there was destruction. He watched the name play out with legion, and the pigs went in. And then Jesus said, you can have my name. I give my name to you, and anything you but ask in my name, I will do it for you. For at my name, every knee will bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things... You see, even Jesus himself knows that the definitive of God makes everything on earth shudder. So what Lucifer has watched play out, he has to take the definitive out. God is not a name. God is not a person. God is you. You can't even define it. God is whatever you want it to be. You want it to be a tree. You want it to be a bird. You want it to be a frog. Who cares? God is whatever you deem God to be. So that we can... But watch. Because if I let God be whatever you name it, because I'm Lucifer, I will rule you because whatever you name it, I have more authority than you. The only thing that has more authority in me is Jesus Christ. So you must be in him to have more authority. So what he's going to move away from is the authority of the believer 
to Jesus Christ and much more to a culture that is religious but doesn't really like Jesus that much. I don't like the name Jesus. Ugh, don't say the name Jesus. Quit praying Jesus. It's like, I don't care if you pray to God. Just don't say Jesus. If you've not watched that play out in the American culture, you're blind. You can pray to a kitty cat and they'll just clap for you. But you pray to Jesus and they fall apart. Yeah, you can't use that name. Why would they care? If, I even heard somebody say, if they don't even believe God, why do they care if I say Jesus? Because they're working for a spirit who cannot let you define God. That's why Jesus cannot be God. He, he can just be a good person. He can be a good Jew, but he cannot be God. And if he is God, you can't give him a name. And that's starting to happen in our culture right now. Uh, all over, people are very religious, but you just better keep Jesus out of the mix. You can be religious, just don't be a Christian. There will have to come a moment of no definitive truth because he needs you to believe the lie. So what will come in our culture is objectivity will be governed by subjectivity. Objectivity means facts, subjectivity means feelings. There will come a cultural movement on our globe where feelings will be facts. You can even show them statistics. They don't care. It's what I feel that's real. Not what you show me that's real. And that culture is here now. Right now, subjectivity of this culture has taken over objectivity. It's why you older people look at this generation and go, what in the world are they thinking? That a boy thinks he's a girl. Can't he just look down and know he's a boy? I mean, really, when you're older, you're like, that's how simple it is. Because that's objectivity, and objectivity is always simple. It is what it is. But when you're working a, a cultural, demonic thing, you have to move a generation that believes subjectivity is truth so that everybody's right. You're right, I'm right, whatever, and if I don't like your right, get out of my face because you're not right. That, that has to come. The third is there is no definitive morality anymore because that's religion. So right and wrong now are just whatever you want it to be and you're always good. Uh, I would have not thought we were this close to Lucifer's return until I just thought, dear Lord, when I read an article that said they're trying to legalize and normalize pedophilia. I'm like, who in their right mind? You don't, that, that, you don't even smoke weed to get there. You just have to be on another planet to think that sexually molesting children is socially acceptable. At least that's what we're pushing for. We're pushing that it, it's a normal behavior. It's a normal way to think. It's a normal... That's where this culture is going. There, there's no definitive of morality anymore. And my opinion is 2021, you're living in it. This is 2021 happening in front of your very face. And then the final, where we're heading to question everything labeled definitive as being a lie and just a conspiracy theory. To show you how real this is, they have now begun a movement to call Christianity a conspiracy theory. That you're, you, you, what you believe is not real. You believe it, 
So this word conspiracy theory, vaccines, conspiracy theory, 9-11, conspiracy theory. Uh, you know, everything's a conspiracy theory now. Everything. Oh, God, Joe Biden, conspiracy theory. Donald Trump, conspiracy Everything's a conspiracy theory. Somebody's always working the magic of the conspiracy. The reason the word conspiracy theory over the last three years has escalated almost exponentially is there's a demonic spirit working to make truth unexplainable so that everything becomes a conspiracy theory. If I say Donald Trump didn't cheat, that's a conspiracy theory. He did cheat. Oh, no, that's a conspiracy theory. Vaccines work. Oh, that's a conspiracy theory. It's not a conspiracy theory. COVID, oh, God, it'll kill you. Oh, God, that's a conspiracy theory. COVID, no, it's real. Like, you can't say anything in 2021 that a group doesn't rise up and go, that's stupid, that's a conspiracy theory. Now, that has happened for a reason. Because Lucifer knows that, watch, we pray for revival. Lucifer knows and is smart enough that if there comes a worldwide revival of a sweeping move where Christians wake up and go, I got to do something. The moment you step into the street and say, let me tell you about a Jewish dude named Jesus that died and is resurrected and is alive now and lives in me and baptized me with the Holy Ghost, they're going to look at you like you are a blooming idiot. That's a conspiracy theory that you think a Jew died. It's being set up that way. Why? Because the church is the P Peter, the book of Peter. The church is the pillar in the ground of truth. So what I have to do is turn the church into a conspiracy theory to where everything we believe to be true is no longer true. Even when I say, but it is true, show me facts. I am the fact. Well, you're just as broken as me. Yeah, you're right, true. Okay, show me the fact. Oh, I don't know. I've never seen the tomb. I've never seen him. I, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the fact. So you're telling me a book written by 40 people, thousands of years old, you believe that? I know, I don't. I don't. That's, they told me, my preacher told me to believe it. I, I can't even back that up. I, I just was told it was fact. So you, you, you can't show me a risen Savior. You can't back that up as being true. You, you, you tell me that he's working in you, but you're just as messed up as me. Okay, good. Yeah, you Christians just go do what you got to do. Right? I think it's been a setup all along. I think it's why the modern church is so inept of power because we're more concerned about conspiracy theories than really the church becoming the church. That's, that's just my thought. I'm not against all that. Here's the conspiracy if you really want to know the truth of the conspiracy. Once truth is subjective... I'll just let that soak in. And that's anything you want right now. You want vaccines? It's subjective. Trump won? Subjective. Biden won? Subjective. Kamala's going to be in by June? Subjective. Everything is subjective. There is no reality anymore. Factual reality is out the door. Facts are now fictional. You can literally show people facts off the CDC website. They don't care. They don't care. Facts are fictional because my feelings are facts. What that leads us is that everything is questionable. Question everything. You may have even been questioning your own faith, questioning God, questioning the Bible. This has to happen. And theory becomes conspiracy. So that's kind of where this whole thing of religion is moving toward. It's moving toward very subjective, questionable theories 
that are nothing more than conspiracies because I cannot let the church land on truth because you all have more power than me. So he's, my opinion, he's moving the church to this. That's why we need good teaching. This, once it's happened, is the hook of deception is set. Once Lucifer has the world here, and I think we're pretty close to this now, once he has the majority of the world here, he has the hook of his deception set. And he will begin to methodically work out the next chapters of the book of Revelation. I feel like we're kind of there now. I'll leave it to you to what you think and give you a scripture. We'll end here. This man, the Antichrist, will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power, signs, and miracles. I'm going to talk about this uh, Sunday at church, so if you want to come. He will use every kind of deception to fool those on their way to destruction, and here it comes, the subjectivity of what I was talking about, because they refuse to love and accept the truth. And the church is the pillar of truth, meaning this generation will begin to refuse to love the church and accept the truth that the church brings that Jesus is the Son of God. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe the lies. We would sit here tonight and go, how can anybody believe this stuff and follow Satan? Because God grants it to them. Because if you don't believe truth, I'm going to just turn you over to believe a lie. They will become condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. And so that's where this is heading with religion. Religion is heading toward evil becomes truth. And truth is subjective to my feelings. And that's where we're headed, where he wants to go. Next week, we will talk about why politics. Why does he want to use government to accomplish what he wants to accomplish, to pull off what he wants to pull off. I pray it'll bless you, and I pray it'll help you, and I pray you reach out and help this child. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for an opportunity again to open the Bible, to study it. Let it be meaningful to us. Let us take what is needed to be taken in our head, in our heart, and let it find good ground. Everything else, just let it fly out the window. And, and not impact us unless it's from you. And we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. I bless you. Amen. Good night. Have a good one. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message.